This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar, and artistic administrator and principal second violinist, Merwin Sue. We also have two very special guests in the studio with us today, Toledo favorite, pianist Francis Renzi, and the TSO's music director-designate, Elaine Trudell. We have an exciting concert that is coming up this Saturday. It's the first Mozart and More program of the season at the Franciscan Center at 2.30 p.m. That's an unusual time, I believe, for the concert at 2.30 p.m. Two Mozart piano concertos and one serenade, and we're going to talk all about Mozart and the concertos and where they fit into it. But uh, first of all, Elaine... Let's have a little conversation about uh, what you've been doing since we saw you last, because it's been a while. Oh, well, uh, well, the summer was was very nice, actually. It's uh, the, it was not a nice summer in Montreal, but I was not in Montreal, <laughs> so it was all right. I spent uh, July in Europe uh, playing, actually playing a lot, conducting a little bit, but mostly playing uh, recitals and playing concert on my trombone. Yeah, and uh, yeah, in Valencia and Barcelona, and also in Firenze and, and Italy. So it's a great time then came back and actually about three weeks off which I spent most of, of uh, talking with Merwin and Zach <laughs> about our, our upcoming uh, next two seasons and uh, then Madeleine is coming up on one year so we spent a lot of time with baby Madeleine and yeah. having fun yeah yeah you were doing some house shopping last time you were in town. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you find a house? Well, we like very much uh, Ottawa, um, Ottawa Hills, uh, Ottawa Hills. Yeah, and uh, you know we're, we're just looking around. But you, you know, it's really surprising. Each time I come back, as I was here in April, then in June, now, now, uh, and now in September, uh, is that the, the downtown keeps changing nonstop. It's yeah. incredible the, the 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 speed to which things are going up. It's amazing, and uh, we had this amazing concert uh, music of Prince yeah and it was uh, downtown was full I mean you'd think you're in New York I mean it's fantastic right I'm gonna bring a little music here this is uh, one of the pieces being performed piano concerto number 21 the second movement probably the best known now this is all part of the 88 keys festival you want to talk about that for us sure it's actually a wonderful celebration of the the life of Dorothy Mackenzie Price, who was such a benefactor to the piano community in Toledo. And she was a lover of Mozart and a lover of the piano. And it felt entirely appropriate um, to honor her in the four concerts of her Mozart and Moore series with a real examination of the Mozart Piano Concerti. Mm -hmm. And looking back at our history, there were several of these concerti that the Toledo Symphony has never performed. And so even though you would think that somehow when we've had a Mozart and Moore series for as many years as we've had, we've played every Mozart piano concerto, there will be four new ones this year. Yeah? yeah. Any on this concert coming up? Absolutely. But not this one. <laughs> Number six, I imagine, yes. Yes. is a new one. Yeah, yes. but not the one we're hearing right now. No. This is the that beautiful moment. Of course, I'm playing the part without the piano. I hope you don't mind, Francis. <laughs> Not at all. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, this particular movement, also used in the world of film for a long time, when I used to look at recordings of this, they would call it the Elvira Madigan mm-hmm. Piano Concerto because it was in that 1960s, was it a Danish film? Swedish. I believe, a Swedish yeah. film. Yeah. 
about uh, circus performers and ill-fated romance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go figure. I mean, nothing. It sounds like an operatic plot right there. Here's a little piano. But uh, that brings up our quiz for today. We are going to uh, listen to some excerpts of uh, Mozart. And uh, I'm going to give you multiple choice. And you tell me what movie they appeared in. Okay. You, you can sense the apprehension in the <laughs> yeah. studio right now. You, you're all Isn't looking at me. Isn't the answer like, always Amadeus? Amadeus? Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. What is it, Amadeus? It could be. I'll now, take Mozart is, for 600 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's about what he was getting back in the day. <laughs> I mean, Kershaw is 600 <laughs> You would have considered that to be a, you know... I'm sorry, Len, there, are, there, are, there are no Kershaw jokes allowed here, I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor Kershaw. Always left behind. We say his name all the time, but nobody knows, you know, who he is. Okay, well, let's get started. I've got five different uh, selections here, and uh, you can first identify what the piece is. I mean, they're all pretty well-known. And we'll let it play a little bit, and uh, then I'll give you three choices as to what they are. Let me bring up number one. We don't usually hear it in German. But this singer is so magnificent, I had to bring in this recording. Was it German in the movie? I don't believe so. Oh, we're getting specific. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you know who this is? This is Fritz Wunderlich. Yeah, Wunderlich. Yeah. Yeah. The best, best Mozart. And the tenor aria, Un Aura Amorosa, usually, uh, from Così. Okay, your three choices are the movies My Left Foot, There Will Be Blood, or In the Name of the Father. Obviously, Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> films. I honestly interchange yeah. the last two all the time. I yeah. Don't think <laughs> There Will Be Blood, is that the one that's like the Johnny Greenwood scar? I think that's yeah. a lot of bronze yeah. in that. So I'm going to say not that one. <laughs> there, no, there is. He There's a lot of bronze quotations in there. Yeah. Blood, if, I, if I'm getting the score right. So I'm going to okay. say it's not that one, but I could be wrong. Anybody else want to chime in? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try There Will Be Blood, actually. And then that massacre okay. scene at the end. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, this would be great music for a massacre. <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you say, Zach? What say you? I'll, I'll go with In the Name of the Father. In the name of the Father. Francis, do you have any? What was the third one? <laughs> my left foot. I'll go with that. My left foot? You go with my left foot? Well, the winner is Francis. Oh, my left foot. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, let's bring that down and move on to number two. This is usually my, uh, my top score. Zero. You know this one, right? Francis. Yes, I know this one. <laughs> I hope you know this. Probably, although, you know, you may have moved a little bit beyond the... Yeah, it's the famous uh, C major the, Mozart sonata. The easy sonata. Considered, not so easy, but considered easy. Yeah. I tried to play it. I, it was not easy at all. <laughs> so your choices are, was this in Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters? Was it in Stripes? Or was it in Groundhog Day? Three Bill Murray films. Ghostbusters, Stripes, Groundhog Day. This is obviously geared towards people of my generation. I'm going to guess Groundhog Day. He, okay. he learns to play the piano, but I don't yeah, believe it's well, this. That's why I'm guessing it. I think but... it's Rachmaninoff that he plays. Yeah, there's yeah. a difference I know. between yeah. the two. 
Anybody else? You're drawing blanks? <laughs> I'm drawing blanks. Uh, Francis, you're correct again. It, it was Groundhog Day. He does play this, actually. Does he, he learns to play this. I mean, it's a, just a very brief moment that we hear him mm-hmm. playing this, having mastered the piano. Okay, let's move on to uh, the next one. Nice fast tempo there. Yeah, I was about to say, it's a little <laughs> yeah. fast, huh? Yeah. That's Pamina's aria from the Magic Flute. Was this in three different uh, Nicolas Cage movies here? Was it in Con Air? Was it in Face Off or The Rock? I am going to say Face Off just because I love that incredibly awful movie and I just really <laughs> hope that this is the correct answer. <laughs> It is one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies. So you should know if this is in the soundtrack. I don't know that it was this particular recording in the in the movie. Anybody want to offer anything else? Are you you going to let Merwin? uh... Merwin stands alone. Yes. Well, he stands in the winner's circle. Whoa! (laughs) It was face off, (laughs) indeed. Okay, let's move. I'm sure it was John Travolta singing. (laughs) (laughs) Adina Menzel. This one, Marriage of Figaro, do what? I know the answer too. Ooh. Okay, was it Cool Hand Luke, Amadeus, or the Shawshank Redemption? It was only in one of those. Zach knows. Did anybody else want to say before Zach chimes in with what I'm sure is the correct answer? What say you, Zach? Shawshank. That's right. A beautiful Shawshank moment Redemption. in the movie. Yeah. They. Steal a record player and the PA announcer, mm-hmm. and they broadcast this across the prison. Wow. That's one way to get people to listen to opera. <laughs> okay. Well, they had, a, they, they had a captive audience. Yeah, so to speak. <laughs> I, oh, I lost my, I don't have my uh, sound effect for a rim shot. Oh, wow. I can no, play need, the harp. You need, you need the sad, sad, sad trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> we can do that. Okay. You know this one, obviously. Was this in Amadeus, Fame, or Ace Ventura, Pet Detective? Which yeah, was it in? I think Ace Ventura. It's a trick question. It was in all three of the. Oh, <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Ah, it was also in, you. it was also in the in the sequel to Ace Ventura: Pet Detective, which I don't know is you know part Dia or something like that. I know it had a title. I don't, I don't remember what it is. So that is our Mozart uh, film clip quiz, and I think that we can safely say that Francis actually was the winner. Yeah, Round of applause. <laughs> Round of applause for Francis. What did she get? Yes, what do I get? You get my undying admiration and love from all of us. But she already had that from me. (laughs) I think she gets tickets to the next concert. Yeah. Oh, perfect. (laughs) This weekend's concert, right? Yes. Free tickets. Uh, Let's talk about this weekend's concert and talk about uh, Mozart and piano concertos. I mean, it it could be said that, um, you know, the piano concertos were for Mozart among his most personal uh, compositions because he played them. You know, he wrote them for himself. And and oftentimes they were make or break propositions because he was looking to make a living as a uh, pianist certain times, getting people to pay money for those compositions. So 
Let's. Which one do we want to tackle first? You want to talk about twenty-one, or you want to talk about number six, the early one, Francis? Since you're the winner, your prize is you have to you have okay. to talk well, first. Let's talk about the early one first. Okay. It was um, written. He was only twenty years old. It was seventeen seventy-six, oh. and he was writing at that time for himself to play, and also for his sister, who was a very fine pianist. It's a very um, kind of youthful. Carefree, happy concerto. It was uh, un- unfamiliar to me, I'm, and I'm really happy. It was a happy surprise because I've really grown to love this concerto. It's really captivating, and uh, especially the slow movement is kind of. I don't know if it was planned this way, but the slow movement is kind of has a lot of the similar qualities as the Elvira Madigan slow yeah. movement. It's kind of has a hint in terms of what is to come. It has the um, kind of triplet, underlying triplet accompaniment, muted strings, pizzicato, and a very lovely lyricism above it. The last movement especially is, I I like especially the use of the French horns. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, it was such a surprise. They come in, it's kind of like, they interject this very kind of joyful, let's get the party started kind of feeling and it's it's just uh adds a lot of character but it's it's a the last movement's just kind of fun filled and high spirits and great fun to play yeah uh it's you know the the first movement it's marked um allegro aperto which literally means open but it's very kind of outgoing feeling of happiness and 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 it's it's um it's a wonderful piece. Was this a happy time in his life? I mean, he was living yeah, in Salzburg, think, 20 yeah, years think, old. Well, you know, I think, yeah, he was writing a lot for him for himself to play and for his sister yeah. to play. It was, um, and also the another interesting thing I read about was that the piano writing is is kind of there are a lot of similarities to um, Scarlatti mm. and uh, Couperin, in the especially in the last mm. movement. There's a lot of that kind of figuration, and I did read about. Um, there's a piece by Couperin called um, The Alarm Clock. Right, yeah. And, and in this last movement, he used a lot of the um, kind of tremolo effect, broken octaves, and it's, it's very much like the uh, Couperin Alarm Clock. So it always makes me smile when I play that part. Now, I've always wanted to know this, and maybe you can answer this question, uh, Elaine. Were there alarm clocks back in the 1700s? <laughs> <laughs> You know, because I've seen that piece. <laughs> yes. And I've I've often wondered, did did like if you were rich, did you just hire somebody to to sit at the harpsichord and then <laughs> just bang? wake you up? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sort of the anti Goldberg. Right? Yeah. <laughs> wake you up at night. My gosh, there could be so many better ways to wake up than that. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. yeah. So I don't. That's one of those. That's one of those perennial questions that we'll have to run to uh, Google afterwards and see. I never had can... the time to look that one up. Uh, <laughs> Again, no well, room shot. French, I don't know. Really, it just was like, wake up, clock. I mean, that was the literal. Mm-hmm. Réveil matin, yeah. Yes. Yeah, wake yeah. up yeah. in the morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk mm-hmm. about uh, Mozart and the piano concertos mm-hmm. uh, in, in general. You want to chime in on this? Uh, sure. Elaine? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, what's interesting about them is they, contrary, for example, to the violin concertos, the concerti, they, the violin ones, he wrote all of them in the same year. It was basically a tool for him to get out of a bad situation. He had yeah. this job and tried to be a freelance soloist 
which uh, we don't think about that very often, but Mozart was probably one of the, if not the first freelance composer that composed music, uh, not at that time, but at the end of his life, his last symphonies, uh, some of his opera, didn't compose because somebody uh, gave him, you know, a, a commission for it. He, he just it just needed to come out, which is something that's kind of normal now if, if we think about it. But in those days, it was unheard of. So the piano concerti for me, what's very different, it's not they're not they're composed through his life. It's kind of a diary a little bit. For me, it's like an artistic or musical diary of his life. Yeah. And we go from different styles. Like Francis was saying, this, this, the concerto number six is written, uh, the time it was written is that, that little very short space in the classical era that was called Galante. And it, it was a graceful, a very graceful music. And, uh, which, uh, a lot of, um, how do you say, we say in French, du petit mal, the minor masters uh, of the era, like Wagenseil or Albersberg or people like that. I know them because they all wrote trombone concertos. Yeah. <laughs> <But, laughs> That's right. Or the brother or the father of, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but that era was, was quite, uh, well known because of the, the music was so graceful. So, but you can see Mozart through the, the, the era and through his life changing his style. And then the 21st, the, the, the famous one we, we played at the beginning. What you see a lot in this one is the use of the wind band mm. in the orchestra, the evolution of the wind band in the orchestra. It didn't just happen that way. And Mozart wrote a lot of, we can talk about it a little bit later. That's why I put a, a wind piece in the, in this program is that in the, in concerto number 21, there's a lot of use of the winds as uh, an entity and not just coloring what the strings are doing. Hmm. So, it, and, and the, the reason for Mozart to being so apt and so good at this is because he wrote all these serenades, yeah? which was the music that you would have outside. You were making jokes about music to wake up, but there's also, you couldn't just put the radio and have a party, right? Or right. something. So yeah. you, you would have musicians playing outside and usually they would be the wind musicians. So the serenade we're playing in this concert is the only serenade that was played inside. Really? Yeah. Talk a little bit about Mozart and how he operated with these piano concertos. When he got to Vienna, they were sort of his calling card. Uh, yes. Some of the great piano concertos were, were his bread and butter. Yes, and I, what is amazing to me is in those t the two years between uh, 1784 and 1786, he was writing, composing, performing, teaching. It was like a frenzied mm -hmm. activity, and he wrote during the, just those two years 12 piano concertos. Yeah. And they're all masterpieces. Yeah. And it's just a kind of an overwhelming to think of what he was doing at that time. I, I just wanted to bring up a little bit about the Elvira Madigan movie because mm -hmm. I was uh, in New York in the 60s when this film came out. And I do remember, I mean, the, it, the music upstaged the film. Nobody really remembers the film that much. Right. But everybody remembers the music. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many of you heard of Sam Goody record stores, yeah, sure. which were very popular in New York at the time. And in every store, they had a big placard in the window, the Elvira Madigan Mozart piano. And <laughs> so many people that never even heard of Mozart became huge fans. Yeah. So it's, mm. Well, that was a huge marketing uh, tool for yes. them, which is yes. why I have all these CDs sitting back in the library that, that say Elvira Madigan on them. Well, let's hear that wind band story that you were talking about. You're, you're also playing the serenade on here, serenade number 12 in C yeah. minor, which is a string-free serenade. 
Yeah. It's a, it's a, so if you're allergic, it's right. string free for gluten free <laughs> and string free. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that what's interesting about that serenade? It's the only serenade in the minor mode that that he wrote. Now, all the serenades were always written in very happy and major mode and and very, um, how could I say? You know, um, entertainment only kind of uh, yeah. m- music. This one actually goes deeper into it, and I don't. Re- we don't really know why he wrote this this serenade for wind. That's a bit deeper. That's in C minor. But one one thing that's really interesting about it is that you know all the string players at the time went like, "Oh, this is really beautiful." Mm, like they don't have enough repertoire, right? So, <laughs> so w- what what happened when they played this piece? They lost the last page. The last page of the score was lost for quite some time. And uh, one of the string players rewrote, they said, well, you know, they wrote the last page for a string ensemble, and then they rewrote the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> with a last page as a string uh, ensemble piece. And it's uh, that's that's the story. I'll, uh, it's such a good piece that even string players had an interest for it. Yeah, <laughs> we're a picky bunch. Yeah, but we're not doing that part. But are you playing it with the last page or not? We, we will. This performance will feature the last page. Yes. Yes. <laughs> good to know. Yeah. Because it's... when it comes to Mozart and even the piano concertos, you don't know. I, I mean, some of the notes are there. Some of the notes are not there. You look at the uh, the coronation, coronation concerto where there's half the left hand is missing, yeah. you know. And I've always wondered if, if you've played the coronation concerto. I have not. Haven't you? That's you have one not? of the ones I have not played. Well, promise me when you play it that you'll just do like boogie woogie in the left hand, right? <laughs> <laughs> because I'll give that you, serious concern. Yeah, sort of have you know a little stride piano yes, yes. going on yeah. over there uh, because you can basically do whatever you want. I mean, I don't think the Mozart police are going to come after you. Or maybe not. I don't know. Elaine is looking at me like he's. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I just, you just made me think of something, which is that music that's not written in the concertis is that Mozart, of course, always improvises cadenza. Yeah. Uh, every cadenza is for every concerti. So that gives a lot of uh, latitude and lots of liberty to each of the soloists to write their own cadenza, which, 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 which you're I doing. Have done yeah. You have? For both of yeah. these, yes. I remember in, when I first did the C major fourth, and that was in 1986 with the Toledo Symphony. And, uh, this was one of the concertos. There wasn't a Mozart cadenza. And I, I tried a lot of the other cadenzas and none of them really appealed to me that much. So I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. I'll see. And I had such, it was such a wonderful experience. So I, when I did the C minor, I wrote a cadence for that. And so the, this is my third opportunity with yeah. the number six. So I wrote my cadenzas for that. So you, okay. So you just, you wrote the number six cadenzas and this is the first time you're going to perform them? Yes. Or you, okay. Yes. Tell people what a cadenza is just so, in case they don't know. Well, it's it's just kind of an elaboration of you take uh, you know two or three of the ideas in the movement and just kind of improvise and expand on them or you know it's some I guess there are two different philosophies about cadenza writing and one is that you know it's a show off for the soloist which it is in a way but also a lot of uh, pianists I think extend the range of the piano and their cadenzas and maybe extend the harmonic language and it becomes a different composition. For me, I really wanted to, I wanted to keep it kind of in the style of the concerto. Mm -hmm. I wanted it in proportion to the length of the concerto. And also I wanted to, my goal was to make it sound as seamless and as inevitable as Mozart concerto is. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like a challenge. Are there pianists that, that just take it and run with it and maybe inject a little bit too much of themselves into, uh, 
those uh, concertos. Sometimes. You're a conductor. Have you ever had to tell a pianist, <laughs> bad pianist, and you know, give him a whack I, on the fingers? Not so much as pianist, but violinist. Sometimes <laughs> I've had uh, s- some, some solos play something really, really modern and contemporary in a Beethoven concerto, or yeah. play something really modern in a Mozart concerto. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's not that I I want to control what other people play, but they're, stylistically, it's kind of bizarre a little bit. Well, what do you do? Kind of jarring. Well, it's it like kind of in, takes you away yeah. from the. Well, yeah, it's like you know you're in the middle of a nice uh, ice yes. cream and somebody puts like all barbecue yes. sauce on it or something. <laughs> right. M- mind you, maybe some people like that. I mean, yes. it's yes. fine. No, I don't think so. That's a big no-no. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe a chocolate-covered ca- bacon, yes, but uh, yeah. maybe not the ice that's cream. That's different. Thing. It's a but, subtle difference. But for us in the orchestra, Cadenza, because you were talking about maybe some people don't know what it is, is, of course, the part where the soloist plays on her or uh, on his or her own. So for us, and if you do another quiz, you can say, you know, what is a 6-4 chord? Yes. <laughs> it's the last note we play before cadenza. It's, it's, gonna... it's, it's basically like if everybody in the orchestra is going ta with their hands towards the soloist, that's a 6-4 right. chord. <laughs> and then we stop, and then the soloist. Sometimes, like you said, you know, stylistically maybe, it could be some kind of, uh, if you play back a little bit, a little bit of everything in the concerto. Yeah. Sometimes it can announce what's coming in another movement. Some mm-hmm. people like to do that. Yeah. Some people like to improvise their cadenzas also, but that would, you know, some, some have more success, some yes, have less yes. success, but that, that's the moment where the soloists really shine as much as the orchestra shines and the introduction by themselves. Introduction, then the soloist plays by themselves, and then we all finish yes. together. Yeah. I finally understand what a 6 4 chord is. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking right now, I want to take the Elaine Trudel, uh, course on musicology, you know, on music theory. There right go. there. The <laughs> audience does miss the ta-da gesture. That he, right. He added well, they can picture it. added a lot. It added a lot. Putting his hand out there. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes a lot of difference. Yeah. Merwin, tell us a little bit more about some of the other stuff that's happening on the, on the uh, 88 Keys Festival. I mean, there are 88 keys in the piano, right? That's where it comes from. Not so, when uh, no Mozart was writing, but yes, there are. <laughs> how many keys did Mozart have? There were. You know? It was five octaves. Okay. From F. So let me get out my slide rule. That's what five, <laughs> five times sixty. Wait, five times sixty? No, five times twelve. <laughs> that would be quite a piano. <laughs> so Mozart had sixty keys. Francis has eighty-eight keys. But I'm only using sixty. Oh, you're both only... the cadenzas and oh, the yeah. pieces. Wow. Yes. Well, that's another thing about that the cadenzas. A, yes, you don't yes. want to go too high or right. too low, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of the, right. uh, the is there like you know like they have those uh, collars for uh, dogs if they go beyond the electronic <laughs> fence? Do you like if you play too high of a note on if the I piano? If I play too high of a note, it's a wrong note. Yeah, we start yeah. playing again. <laughs> Orchestra comes in. <laughs> Francis, how many of the Mozart concerti have you performed? Eleven. Wow. The sixth, which is the new one for me, will be my eleventh. Wow! And I have performed. All of them with the Toledo Symphony. Isn't oh, that wonderful? Yeah. That is very I want to play a little bit, actually, of a recording of you uh, in recent seasons playing number 27. Oh. And we will, uh, we will go out with that, listening to a little bit of Francis Lenzi, Renzi. Excuse me. We will go out with that, listening to a little bit of Francis Lenzi. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should just change my name. <laughs> I think you just did. <laughs> we will go out with something... Hopefully, we'll go out with something featuring uh, pianist Francis Renzi and the Toledo Symphony Orchestra. 
The program is this Saturday afternoon at 2.30 p.m. Note the time, 2.30 p.m. It's at the Franciscan Center at Lourdes University, an all-Mozart program, the first in their 88 Keys Festival, however, only using 60 keys. But that was too long of a title, I know, so you're just calling it the 88 <laughs> Keys Festival. We're going to hear uh, Piano Concertos number 6 and 21, plus the Serenade number 12, Elaine Trudell and Francis Renzi performing on that concert. I want to thank both of you for coming in and joining us on Toledo Symphony Lab. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Toledo Symphony Lab is generously underwritten by a gift from the estate of Barbara Garwood and is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website. That's at WGTE.org. And don't forget, give us a call, leave your comments or your questions at 419-418- 0012, and we may use them on air in a future episode. My thanks, as always, to Zach Vassar and Merwin Sue, and to our guests, Francis Frenzy and Elaine Trudell, our intrepid leader, uh, for joining us today. I'm Brad Cresswell, and you've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab here on FM 91.